I actually just found out in the past few weeks that you're way better at rapping than you are at podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> it's my, it is my, um, thing. Forty. Yeah, it's my forty. That's my, that's my rapper name. Forty. Forty, forty Howley. <laughs> you could, you drink forty ounces. Forty ounces. Oh man, I want to go to America and get malt liquor because I think it would be delicious. Especially a brown paper bag. Well, you need to have a brown paper bag. Hmm. Anyway, welcome to Scott and Liam versus Evil, episode twenty-eight. I'm Liam. And I'm Scott. And this is episode 28. <laughs> We're going to talk about two Thai West films, House of the Devil from 2009 and The Innkeepers from 2011. Both very good. Yes. I preferred House of the Devil. I preferred The Innkeepers. So this could turn into another fight. We start with House of the Devil. We had some cool stories to tell you as well, but we'll save them at the end, so you've got to listen the whole way through. Oh yes, that's clever, clever, clever. Ah, we're getting better at this. House of the Devil, just read the synopsis for IMDb. Uh, during a night of 1983 with full lunar eclipse, Samantha Hughes takes a babysitting job surrounded by mysterious circumstances before she finds out her client's terrifying secret. To start out... Wait, 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 wait. This movie's set in 1983? Yeah. I fucking hate this movie then. Hi. I wrote down, my first note is, I love how 70s this looks. I fucking love the 70s. And now I find out this in 1983. I bet it's like late 70s, early 80s. 1983 is not late 70s. That synopsis could be wrong. Fucking better be wrong. But it is IMDb, so I have all the faith that it's right. Hmm. It's it's filmed in the style of late 70s, early 80s, so you could probably put it... If you didn't know any better, you'd think that this film is old as shit. Which you've proved by not knowing any better. (laughs) (laughs) So... I, I, I get it started out, I loved House of the Devil. This is my favourite out of all Ty West's films. It was, no, it was it was good. Well, I don't know what other films has he made. He's made another couple. The Innkeepers. Should know. Well, obviously The Innkeepers. The Sacrament. The Sacrament, which is good. Uh, he, He's also uh, currently made a Western just now called uh, Violence in the Valley, which isn't a horror, and it stars Ethan Hawke and a man who refused to medicate his son and let him die. John Travolta. That's the one. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. the weirdest quiz ever. <laughs> uh, Which celebrity killed his own son? <laughs> Go, you start. The house that she's going to buy at the beginning, which is clearly just for exposition, so that it explains why she takes the job later on, but that's way too big for her on her own. Maybe she's planning to start a family at some point. Nah, she's meant to be 18. Um, and start a family at 18, Scott. The birds and the bees, man. Yeah, I know, but not in the 70s. Are you kidding? In the 70s? Yeah. Abdi, Abdi was buying. They were buying at like 12. Simpler times. Simpler times. <laughs> <laughs> Beautiful times. See how this film, I bought it in Blu-ray, and I'm watching back for this podcast. I don't understand why I bought it in Blu-ray. No, because it's made to look grainy. Look shit. And shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I spent an extra three quid in yeah. Blu-ray for nothing. Ty West is just sitting. There. The commentary is probably just him sitting laughing the whole way through. <laughs> yeah. Every time it gets to another grainy bit. <laughs> yeah, I really liked. It was filmed in sixteen mil to make it feel seventies and eighties, and I really like that. And it's weird to say, but I think it's quite a refreshing approach for a modern horror film to be in that style, look old and gritty. I, I enjoyed that. With, with that as well, you also have the added bonus that if you do do any kind of 
kill scenes, practical effects, you can do them with modern techniques and make them look real and look yeah. brutal as fuck. But the fact that it looks old, you can kind of disguise anything, any any way that newer audiences and newer modern films would, would pick up and say, oh, I can see what they've done that. By making it old, you kind of forget that you're watching a modern movie and then when the, the practical effects come in, you're just like, wow, that's fucking really good. And you, you remember that... Because you're usually looking for the striking or the, the pump or something like that. Some yeah. back in like the 70s, 80s, but, it's, um, but that, I think that's, that's clever. I might ask though, is at the beginning when she's kicking about that uni because her, because her flatmate's boning, she has to go and just like lie about outside. Is she the only person at this uni other than her pumping flatmate? I don't think they obviously they're trying to keep it to a tight budget so they probably yeah, couldn't pay extras. Couldn't pay extras. I think it was like three walked out. And I also want to ask, do you think the actress had to had, they had to explain to her what a Walkman was before she could walk out using it? <laughs> nah, I think she's old enough to. You think so? Do you know what annoyed me though? See those headphones she used for a cassette? I had them for my cassette Walkman <laughs> over age. And it's like a kind of metal like the top of it's metal. All the time you see it caught my hair and pull my hair. I fucking hated it. And as I was watching the movie, I started scratching my head, thinking of the pain. Memories. And I did not like that. Did you also notice the lost cat poster on the campus notice board? I didn't, know. There was like a man who looks like a kind of like retard version of Bill Gates. <laughs> but I don't mean that offensively, I do. Yeah. Uh, I don't mean it offensively. <laughs> like it just comes out. Like yeah, when your grandparents say they want to get something <laughs> Yes. <laughs> hey, the, it's Bill Gates holding a cat. All I can think is that cat is way better off without that guy. And that's it. Then we've got the next scene. All right, well, good, cool. Good. <laughs> Unless the cat's been ran down, and in which case it's it's probably still better off. off. So she takes this right. I was thinking maybe maybe this, this house is no okay. Before you actually realise what's going on, maybe when you still just think it's a babysitting job, maybe this there's no family. Maybe it's an extreme situation, or maybe times were different back then. But really, would, do people still blind advertise for people to come and watch their kids? Not now. But in the 70s, isn't it? Yeah. Well, because I was talking to somebody in my work about this the other day there, because um, her daughter was going to a sleepover, and she's saying, like, I, I was, and I was telling her, don't you, don't be alone with the dad, <laughs> and I'll phone you ever, and I'm thinking, is this, I thought, is, is, is this just, have you just been overprotective? Is it more dangerous now, or do we just talk about it more? Is that what it is? Is it more out in the open that the people potentially can be predators? Because uh, surely that you can't just be breeding more paedophiles as we get older. They probably are. There's more people in the world, therefore there's more paedophiles. There's no, more sexy good children. That's a good point, good point, good point, good point. There's always been sexy children. More so now. More so now. Because there's more people. It's just, it's just, it's, just uh, it's, it's an exponential curve. I think, to, to say, like, don't be alone with the dad, that's kind of weird. It means she doesn't trust the dad, so she probably shouldn't be sending her I told her, I told her, uh, women can be paedophiles as well, so. They can? Yep. But you, see, if, see if you're that worried about your daughter's friend's dad being alone with you, I think, no, you I probably think, shouldn't be near that house. Yeah, I didn't do anything to ease her feelings whatsoever. I like that you should probably should be worried. <laughs> He's definitely a fucking pedo. <laughs> uh, annoy me, the two girls sitting in the restaurant, pizza. They didn't eat any of it. Didn't eat, it. Not didn't a eat any bit. of it. And one time we went out a double date with one of my friends, Jordan. <laughs> and he's like when he's first he's not first girlfriend Dude, who, <laughs> can, who, can, who can count that far back <laughs> anyway another girlfriend and we went into a tapas restaurant a so tapas restaurant it was probably tapas after mm. it was tapas afterwards so we then ordered like a few things each and she just ordered a cheese pizza and she'd have a slice and I've always thought don't trust anyone that orders a cheese pizza and then doesn't really eat it 
No. So I don't trust these girls. <laughs> and then Jordan broke up with her like a week later. Right. So she she goes and she she does all this deal to try and take take this job, this babysitting job that she's phoned up and the guy says, Phone me back in a or whatever it happens. You know, I'll be honest, I watched this movie on double speed. Uh, so basically I was saying because I'd seen them before both of these movies I'd seen them before but a lot of things happened in life over the last week or two that I didn't really get a chance to sit down properly watch them and take notes so I had to so then you took speed and watched I it took, I had to, I had to um, <laughs> skip through a lot in the, the movie to try and figure it out so I might have missed some conversations and whatnot right? so if I get any of this wrong then just correct me oh I don't worry I'll correct you right away no so basically she's taking this job as a babysitter and the guy's phone to say like come and, come and do it I had a girl that was going to do the job before but she didn't work out so we you come in. Now this phone call, when we know the end of the movie, we know how it turns out that this then this phone call is slightly clever language because it can relate to the babysitting job that she thinks she's talking about, but it also relates to the end part of the movie that we'll get to, that you can see where it ties in. You know, if you're on a second watch, the language he uses isn't relating to babysitting, it's relating to why they want her to come do this, yeah. be in the house. So it is, it's reasonably clever. But she gets to the house... And the guy says, sorry, it's not kids you're looking after, it's an elderly relative or it's whatever it is because they're already old as fuck anyway, so I forget who who they say it is they're looking after. And then she's like, she freaks out and she's ready to leave. I think it's fucking much easier to look after a fucking... You didn't watch this movie at all, did you? <laughs> much easier to look after an old person than to look after a wee. At least an old person's fucking, you can have some sort of chat back to them and, or, you know. But anyway, so then the guy says, I'll pay you double. Now, if this sounds too good to be true, it probably is. He says, I'll pay you $200. Okay, I'll pay you three. And she says, 400 I'd say, 400 and my pal can stay. Because they've already made a big right. deal about the fact that the pal's not allowed in the house. So I'd be like, no, that's 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 weird. No, what annoys me is that she got the $200 up front and then didn't just get the fuck out. That's still 100 In fact, yeah, she was meant to be getting 50 Yeah, she so, got 400 Yeah, so that's... But she got 200 to start with and then they would give her the rest when they came back. That's still way more than she was getting for nothing. Just fuck off. Yeah. Go home. Yeah, well, do you think at this point she she still thinks that she's looking after some elderly person in the house? However, Aye. what I would say, and this is experience from previous times in jobs when I've went on holidays with service users, yeah. and we've went away for a couple of days, and we always rent a big massive house in the middle of fucking nowhere, and it is always creepy as shit. But the first thing I do is I check every single room out of curiosity. I'm looking in all the cupboards, I'm trying all the doors, because it's usually some family that rents this house out who they also use it at times as well. So they've they've usually there. left like pussies or jewellery. Well, they've got aye, so stuff that I can knock. <laughs> but they've got stuff in it like, you know, that you want to find if they've got locked rooms and stuff. So I try and like, see if I can get in up the attics and down into the basements to see if there's anything creepy in it. That's what she should have done as soon as they went out the door. Not phoned a pizza to the fake pizza man. She should have went straight, run about every single room in the house. She'd have found that bedroom with the with the that she wasn't supposed to get in, and she'd have been out of there. Again, you've not watched this at all, have you? Tell me about him. She takes the little leaflet saying babysitter. She phones him. He says, "I'll meet you on campus." Mm-hmm. He doesn't meet her. Mm-hmm. She goes to meet her pal. She's absolutely raging that this job's fell through. Yeah, she needs the man. money. So then the guy phones her up later, and she's like, "Oh shit." Better phone him back he's left a message. And the guy then goes, Oh, the other person fell through, nobody else got in touch because she was upset. Her pal went around and took all the adverts down so nobody else could phone up for the job. So that's why he's then phoned her back. They've went after that and she phones pizza. She starts cutting about the house, looking at things. She's got her headphones on, which is a really good scene when she's just dancing about yeah, the house yeah, yeah. and she looks around. She's trying all the doors and she gets to where the family that actually do live in the house are slaying at the other side of the door. 
which is a good effect because the camera shows the audience what's behind the door, like the dad and yeah. that slain in the ground above the satanic symbol. The but the cat doesn't know, can't get in because it's locked, and she goes away. And I thought that's quite good because it lets the audience go, oh shit, there's something there. And then you're more, it's always worse when you know what's happening and the character doesn't because then you're like infuriating are infuriated by the fact that she is still just flying about. And you can't tell her. And you can't tell her, no matter how much you shout at the screen. But you know, that's what she should have done the first second she got in the house. She didn't. She fired about for ages, at least about 35 minutes, because I'm sure that's how long it took before anything actually happened in this movie. You watched the double speed, so was that? I know. So it was 16 minutes? Aye. Wait, what we, what we have skipped over the top of here, though... Everything. When, <laughs> when, when she takes the $400 for the job and she goes out and says to her pal, who, I, who originally I thought was the one getting boned, but it's not. She's actually a pal who is, you know, is meant to be like a bit more, more ditzy, more ballsy is actually the only sensible person in this yeah. fucking movie. And she says, no, if we said that if it was going to be weird here, we were just boosting straight away. But the lassie goes, no, but they're paying me $400. It's <laughs> fucking in the motor and let's go home. Yeah. That's just what she said. In the motor and let's go home. But she Disney. So the lassie goes back in the house to take the job and her pal with the blonde hair does a barb from Stranger Things. She just goes down a bit and says, fuck this, I'm off. But she doesn't actually go anywhere. She goes down the bottom of the drive and says, fuck it, I'll wait for her. And, and then, she shouldn't have. And that's a good bit. That was that, a good bit. That got me with a surprise the first time I watched yeah, it. Yeah, because it is proper brutal and out of nowhere. Yeah. Like, she's just in the middle. Like, she doesn't even see it coming. She's still actually going to ask him a question. And You can actually go around and say the whole thing is that friend's fault because if she didn't take the posters down, the guy wouldn't have phoned the main girl, Samantha, again for the job. So really the blonde lassies put Samantha in it. So maybe she deserves to get shot in the head. As much as anyone deserves to get shot in the head. She deserves to be shot in the head because how annoying it looks when she's got the cigarette on her mouth and she's trying to light it. She's holding it by her, by her lips and, and just cars with cigarette lighters. I'm so glad that doesn't happen anymore. I remember my old taxi used to have a cigarette lighter and an ashtray, and it was like minging. Did you not plug like neon lights into it? Oh no, man! <laughs> That's actually always the fucking bomb, man. You can see me coming a mile away. You hear me? Do you hear the bass from the trunk when you know I'm on the block? What was that, Doctor Bailey? Not that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was my mum went to Sainsbury's once and left me in the car when I was younger because it was simpler times and you didn't have to actually be good at it and I didn't know what it was and I pressed it in and it popped out and I was like I wonder how hot that actually is burnt myself had to lock the car run out of Sainsbury's run it under cold water and get back in the car before mum came back for a shot and then I had to explain to her that I'd burnt myself in the cigarette later that that's quite an touch. intelligent way of getting out the car and getting back in the car because one time my dad left me in the car when he went into some shop somewhere it was definitely in Wisha but I don't remember what shop it was I was in the car specifically listening to The Colour and the Shape on cassette and I thought, I'll get into the shop. So I go out the passing side, locked it down, thinking I'm doing good, locking the door, <laughs> shut the door and in the shop, and that's that, the keys on the motor. So we just stand there for ages before we could get back into the car. So we, yeah, that was mad. That was... And that's probably which then made parents look hard on their kids, but into just spanking and all that. Yeah, my dad was always hard on me. <laughs> and in you. Way! So Mary Warrenov's in this from Night of the Comet. Yes, she is, and also Dee Wallace too. Yep. So it's kind of all the B-movie Scream Queens. Old, are they even Scream Queens? Uh, yeah, I'd say maybe one of it is. I think she... Is she in the house? Is she getting invited to that she, party? I think so. I think she might be. Um, Everyone's in fucking death house, man. We're brilliant. You're 36 minutes into this movie before you even kind of see the tides turn. That's it. That's where I'm, I'm... I'm assuming 36 minutes must be... It's straight the headshot. After, yeah, that's what I was going to say. Straight after um, uh, the pal uh, thing there. So... For an hour and a half, that's just before halfway, so it's probably half decent. Although, 
it's meant to be a slow burn though. It builds you up. It's the it is the old seventy style where it's slow moving and then see when it cranks up a notch, it does it. The well, headshot it takes it up and then brings it back down and then as you've got I've got I've got an hour and sixteen minutes shit really cranks up and that's when obviously the big reveal well that's the thing isn't it because it seems to be that I've noticed in both these movies that Ty West likes to include a lot of realistic behaviour in these movies I mean there's a long shot when she's in, in, the, in the house and it's a long shot of her moving all her stuff into the living room and it just kind of sits at the chair that she's put her jacket on and she goes to get her bag and it's longer than it needs to be but we just sit and wait for her to go either supposed to be the other end of the room or the other end of the house and bring the bag back and I thought but then you're not feeling tense when you're watching it because you're waiting to see what's happening next. You're well, waiting I'm... to see. There's like a couple of lingering shots. Like as she's dancing about, the camera slightly lingers on the door behind her and you think, oh, somebody's going to be there. And then they're not. So you're constantly picked up. But then you're picked up again and your suspense keeps building until the end when it just, the shit hits the fan and it goes bonkers. What I did like about it, and you were saying there about how it's like old seventies movies and stuff. Like there was a part like she's watching the news and um, it says, "Oh, right, well, and after we're finished, we're going to go to Frightmare Theater." And she turns the telly off, and I thought, "Oh, man, I wanted to watch Frightmare Theater." <laughs> and then she turns it back on later, and I, so it turns out that Frightmare Theater is actually Night of the Living Dead, the original. And there's a kind of, kind of reference to an mm-hmm. old horror movie. It's a different genre of horror movie, but it's still an old black and white horror movie. And I thought there's something good about watching like an old black and white horror movie, like very late at night. If you watch it for the start, I mean, some of them. If you if you go halfway through a black and white horror movie, I think you're you're out of the, the loop and it's shite. But if you watch it from the start to the finish, I remember watching one when I was young. I caught it really late at night, and it just happened to be on. I caught it right at the start, and there's a remake of it. It was in the seventies or eighties, and I wish the hell I could remember it's called. It's something like that came from outer space, and it's the one where the, the UFO lands over the hill, and the wee boy watches his parents walk over, and they yeah. take in. So I watched that at night, and I thought that's that's really really good. The next scene when something happens and she gets a fright it kind of the, the colour changes and it looks black and white the light goes off but the colour that he uses it looks black and white so oh, it's yeah. almost like a reference to the uh, the black and white movies and I thought that's that's pretty mm. good and pretty clever okay, good the touch. colour cut whatever happens and that's, the, that's what it is the power cut that does it okay good touch the last section section that's when it just fucking turns if like, it, really ramps up if you've not seen it Spoilers! It turns out that Muller, who she's not seen, who she's meant to be watching, yeah, is that that fucking weird? It's some sort person? of satanic witch. What the hell was that? How horrid was that makeup though? Yeah. Like as in, it was brilliantly done and made her look horrid. Not that the actual effect was horrid because the effect was good. Uh, she's like some satanic fucking demon witch, and the whole point of Samantha being there is that it's a blood moon, and they're going to sacrifice her. And then that's when you're kind of told, obviously, as I mentioned, that there was a family before it who this Almond family have moved in, slain them all, yeah. and now shit really hits the fan. And She's I thought it was a brilliant and blood in her stomach and pouring like blood through a, a, a goat's skull into her mouth. Uh, it just made me think of that time that I drank that cat's blood in the park. I never drank, I never drank the cat's blood. It was, <laughs> it was kind of hitting. That, sto- that story amps up every time you tell it. The dead cat was hitting by a golf club and the blood sprayed into my mouth, but that's that's what it reminded me of. Um, but I've got a question, right? Because it's like a, it's like a babysitting movie, it's like half a haunted house movie, you don't really show what's going on, and then at the end it's a proper fucking satanic, satanic movie. Yeah. Are Ty West and Ben Wheatley the same person? Do you know what? It's they, they, love, they, love, they love a fucking third act ton. I actually forgot about it. Because I, I only watched Kill List way more recently than I've seen this. I've only actually just thought about that. They very, are very, the similar. very, sim- very similar yes. movies, yeah. I like that. There's, see, because there's not a whole lot or a whole lot of mainstream satanic cult movies, I think when there is, 
they're fucking good. Like it gets mm-hmm. you, because I'm I'm convinced. Did you not see a satanic cult outside New Orleans? Oh yeah, I did see a satanic cult. I still tell Orleans. everyone that story. No, it's, I definitely seen it. I'll post. See, I'll post a, a picture. It's not of the one that I seen, but it's the one that can closely resemble the thing that I seen as I drove up past one day. It was it was a circle of people in a bonfire and black cloaks and black hoods all holding hands. It's weird. Is pretty it's strange. creepy. It's cool. I like to look back at it's cool because I never died, so it was, it was great. You always look at your neighbours and think you could probably be part of a cult. Um, get my neighbours uh, are highly religious, so they're definitely part of a cult. Christ- cult of Christianity. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> that, that went deep. No, she gets away from this um, getting tied up and getting this uh, getting impregnated by Satan, but. Which she, is meant to be the very last minute twist that we were only going to give away. Oh shit! Sorry, guys. <laughs> um, she kills the pizza guy who, or the fake pizza guy who's like been just kicking about and turning up and just killing people, right? So she slits his throat and he dies and he's got a gun. See if you kill someone who's got a gun, fucking take the gun off them. Right. Yeah. Always take the gun. Take the gun. And then when uh, she was up in the loft, I was like, stab yourself in the guts. <laughs> this the, like the woman had come back and she took her wig off and she's half baldy and she's like, oh, it's nearly time and you're pregnant and that. I was like, stab yourself in the guts. But she then did. Where I think this movie should have ended, she's in the graveyard. Mr. Omen's chased her down and she takes the gun out and she just shoots herself. And it goes to black and I thought that was Aye. it. That's what I perfect, said. Perfect ending. That's where it should end. Aye. It shouldn't go on. It then, she wakes up in the hospital and the nurse says just all pregnant nurse she says Ash. the baby's still okay and then it ends and I think see unless you're going to do a really active sequel what are you going to say? Pish! <laughs> <laughs> unless unless you're actually definitely going to do a sequel don't end it that yeah. way and, and I don't think you should do a sequel this I think it would ruin it no. just have a shooting herself and that's it and even if you get Ty West if you're listening if you get loads of money or if you were if you even got loads of money to do a sequel and you ended it when she shot herself in the graveyard have your first 30 seconds that exposition scene of her in the hospital and that's how it starts but don't 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 do a sequel because I love this in my head it ends when she shoots herself in the head because it's just as abrupt is when our pal gets shot in the head and I think it's a perfect ending. And it beats the the cult because he's like, oh no, because uh, you can kill me if you want, I'm just the messenger. And then she goes herself. He's like, no, no, don't. And that beats them. So that's it. End of story. Story finished. Because then it does a, some sort of weird thing about saying that um, the blood moon went fast or something. Yeah, like he went really pissed off, so he just stops the blood moon thing. And then she's still alive and pregnant, so surely that was not stupid to realise that she's no deed. Unless she's been brought back. You, you, they're trying to say the devil's stupid. Come on. The devil is the fucking man. Why are you in a rapper three? I don't know. <laughs> Did you just West Side me? <laughs> uh, what would you give it out of ten? I give it seven headshots out of ten. I give it an eight. A solid eight. The last scene does not end. make any sense yeah, whatsoever. I do wish. Cut it at, cut it at that. See if it was a tape, I would cut that bit out and then sell tape back together, but it's not, it's a DVD, so I need to watch it every time. It looks the same as a tape though, so it does look the same as a tape. I think maybe the ending wasn't actually his idea. Maybe it's been a producer or someone's went, no, you need to end it a wee bit. Like, she needs to still be alive or... I don't know. I like to think there's method in his madness. Yeah, I would see if I was, like, making movies, the way he, he was making movies, uh, which actually is more highly skilled than I was thinking of making them. <laughs> if I was making movies f- for myself, I would just say, fuck you, studio, and I would just make sure she died at the end. That's why you then not getting any money to That's make movies. You're just filming it on your phone and you're All right then, Ty West, you just suck <laughs> the corporate man's dick and just make movies and tell you, oh, oh I wanted to do what with John Travolta, so I did, but I was told. Shut up, because I really like Ty no, West. No, I saw the I saw the Although they never get back to us when we ask them for an interview, so fuck you, Ty West. <laughs> uh, so now See, if you're listening and you actually listen to what I'm saying to you, come on and tell us. Actually, don't. No, I don't want to challenge you. 
He looks mental. That sounded like a genuine challenge. No, I did. I do actually like these movies. I did like House of Devil. However, I thought the Innkeepers was much better. Open challenge to Ty West. If you're listening, come on. We'll strap some nice to your hand. Strap some nice to Scott's hand. Have you both bare chest box winner? Either does an interview for the podcast or (laughs) and the loser dies. Come on, Ty West. Don't back down now. Next movie, The Innkeepers from 2011. IMDb synopsis is during the final days at the Yankee Peddler Inn, which is a real hotel by the way, mm-hmm. two employees determined to reveal the hotel's haunted past begin to experience disturbing events as old guests check in for a stay. Did you just say you'd been there? Yeah. Have you actually no. been there? No, I haven't. Ty, sorry, if you're listening, come in and kick Scott's <laughs> fucking <laughs> head in. <laughs> right, it starts off, and here we go, okay, we've just been uh, tie bashing there, and I need to do one more tie bash. It starts off with a very cheap scare and it's cheap fucking scare. awful, yep. man. And it's the worst. And it's li- it's physically one of those stupid stare at the screen internet prank things where the scary face jumps out at you. That's what it does. It zooms into the laptop and it's so cheap and rubbish. But after that, it's it's brilliant. The character, uh, Claire, played by Sarah Paxton, that was a genuine reaction. She hadn't seen the video before. So that scream, she generally was afraid of it. Which I thought was quite cool, but it's still a cheap scare. Don't lower yourself to that. She looks like Rice from Beethoven. Remember that movie, Beethoven? Yeah. I can't... I think I don't remember... Like, I remember scenes from Beethoven that I think are Beethoven, but I actually think they're from like, the second or third yeah. one. No, nobody watches the second or third one. Do you know that David Duchovny was in the first Beethoven? <laughs> no. Yeah, he was. Uh, Rice <laughs> was the oldest daughter, and that's who uh, Sarah Paxton looks like. But anyway, I've done plenty of long night shifts like that, plenty of times, and they are mourning for nothing. No, but the hotel's shutting down, they're losing their job. But, they're, but they're, they can't even stay up all night. They're like going to sleep, like doing shifts. Did you now. watch this at double speed as yeah, well? I did, actually, yeah. But I've seen this one before. Um, I don't know, just the whole the whole idea that they're fucking taking shifts to go and sleep. I'm like, Jesus. But then, then later on, I kind of realised it wasn't just one night, it's for a whole weekend. So you're assuming it's a Friday and Monday, yeah. so we'll, we'll do that. So you get moving on and you get some exposition and you realise that the guy is uh, trying to be more of a ghost hunter than she is because he's into this and he's got a website for ghost hunting which you see, and it's totally a ghost hunter site. It's a black background with shitty green neon type, and it just is fucking mind-bendingly And yet, full of bullshit. back in the days of MSN, you'd probably been on that site and thought everything that was on it was gospel. The wee glittery things not moving yep. about in between it. Oh, God, Make so up your many, own MySpace. so many of those websites out there. Like, if you try and research ghost hunting, you did, you're just fucking, it's a minefield of this bullshit out there. And that's probably a clever thing, because that's probably like a meta joke. Yeah. It's created that website to look like the shite websites that people create. Yeah. Do you believe in ghosts? Of course. Hmm. I'd like to. Well, actually, do you know what? I like to think of ghosts and I like to be scared from horror movies and haunted houses and all that kind of stuff, but the idea of ghosts is probably too unrealistic because how many people die? Fucking loads of people die. And how many ghosts is there? A couple of grey ladies from the 1930s. So, nah. Maybe it just had you had to die in that period to come back as a ghost. Maybe it was just a small window. No, 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 no I don't. Yeah. Believe it. I, I, I would, I would like to. Would I like to see one? Probably not. But I'd like to know that they are there or not there. I don't like this in limbo shit. Yeah, I which just, is pretty much what ghosts actually are. It's just you just die and that's it. That's it. You switch off blackness. Bleak Scott. What I like this is they zoom in and out like the dolly shots. Eh. Uh, in the tracking camera because it builds tension because you're following them about the hotel especially like when he goes to sleep and she's going about with a microphone and that try to interview the ghosts I like that because it's building up with a bit of suspense 
probably the only suspense that's built during this film is from the tracking shots because I think it's a wee bit boring. Well, I do kind of half agree with you, agree with you, and it's basically because I believe Ty West likes to put a lot of real life scenarios and real life conversation in his movies, kind of like the the way that people. Uh, you know, suck Quentin Tarantino's dick for Pulp Fiction because of that whole uh, cheeseburger chat. Yeah. It's sort of like that, but between the scares and tension, it does fall a bit flat and a bit boring. But that's, it's it's kind of, that is, it's a risk because it's kind of like if you were hunting ghosts in a hotel through the night for a whole weekend, there's a chance that you, for a long time, you'll be doing fuck all. Uh-huh. So, he tried to explain that in a movie where you'll maybe get a scare, then you'll go back to doing nothing, and you'll go back to having a laugh, and then you'll get another scare again. So rather than just going, we scare, we a bit more tension, we scare, bigger scare, bigger scare, boom, we scare! It's like, it, it, it's up and down for the whole night. And it shows you the, monoton- the monotonous life of work. Yeah. Yeah. Right, now, so, so when, I don't know if it's, I don't know when this part comes in, but it's one of the first sound effects of like the bump in the night, but it's like a really bassy bump, and you totally hear it. Like it's in sound sound, it is well well done. The sound production in this movie is great because it get, gets you listening. It's just a bump. I don't know what it is. It's just in the background. It just like it's, it's like a thud, and she gets a fright, so she goes and looks for it. And she walks through the hotel, and she gets to a door with a window in it, and she's looking through the window, and you get one of those tracking dolly shots coming away, uh-huh. looking into the door, and then he comes up behind her, and Aye. he says something like, "I don't want to get you a fright. I'm standing behind you. That's what you tried to say." Uh-huh. And she gets a fright. And in her acting, when she gets a fright, and I was like, it's triple tick, it was top notch. And it was really, really it good was. scene, because she, she seems really scared, and then kind of try to calm herself down after being scared. And he was really good as well. Both of them, as actors, were and very good in this, eh? She plays the kind of shy, nervous girl really well. The only person that I thought was was a bit annoying would have been uh, the girl who plays Leanne Rhys-Jones, who is a, another famous person that he's got in his movies. Who is she? Who? She played the hot girl from Top Gun. Oh really? Yeah. Mm. And then she didn't really acting, and then she got short hair cut and became a lesbian. <laughs> did she actually become a lesbian, or are you just saying <laughs> no, that? No, she did. I think she's a lesbian. I'm too keen on her. Both main stars are brilliant. Lena Dunham had a wee cameo as a barista. She's in that program, Girls. Oh, uh, I hate Wait, people talking about her, but I don't give a fuck. Lena made me watch it, and it actually was funny, and I mm. do quite like her. Mm. Like I genuinely think she's funny. Mm. Don't just stare it. at me and hold your chin <laughs> like you're so like you can judge me. Doctor Dre. Uh, did you see what was in his the guy's search history on the computer? No. Butt crumpets and itty bit, <laughs> itty bitty titty council. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, the itty bitty titty council. I, I know that well. What I didn't get is she was scared when she's out the outside emptying the bins. The that bin bag was not as heavy. As she's making. Oh it yeah, that bin bag definitely wasn't yeah. that heavy. What's the thing called? The cellar that from the outside. Yeah, it's yeah. a cellar door. Aye. A pigeon flies out. She shits herself. He comes behind her. She shits herself. And yet after that, she still walks about the hotel alone with well, a mic yeah. to call a ghost. Aye, but I think, I think when she gets into it, because I would get afraid. See if you jump, see if you hid properly and jumped out, I would shake myself. I would properly scream, but I would then also be up for staying and in, in investigating ghosts. No, no. My heart would still be racing. The last thing I would do is get in a dark room and ask no, a ghost see, to talk see, to I would, I would go along for that and be up for that. They just sit up and start drinking. Yeah, I know. On the shift? No. Are you allowed to do that? No. Well, Night shift? Because after they finish their shift, that they're shutting their out of jobs, so I don't think it really matters. I don't think they can get sacked. Oh, fair enough. They do say a line one time when they're eating the sandwiches, never skip on bread, you'll only regret it. I've never heard a truer word spoken in my life. Have you ever bought shite cheap bread? No. Shite? You might buy Warburton's orange or blue. Remember when in Spain we bought that bread that didn't have any crusts? Mm. Then nobody ate it. You don't get good bread in Spain though, it's weird. 
Probably we just don't get it because we're shot, shot in rubbish places. Mm. Yeah. The old got to go down to the basement, but the lights go out trope. Mm-hmm. I like that. P- uh, pianos playing on their own. Pianos playing on their own. Why are ghosts always good piano players? Well, I don't know if I'd say that, but I double timed this, so I don't know if this is. I, I double timed it so it sounded like a Charlie I Chaplin. I don't know if it was a good piano piece, but the only time, I, the only part I actually seen was when she stands right looking at it, and it's just the two, got the two. Um, dum, dum. Is that not what you're talking about it? From earlier, the noise? No. No. No, it's, it's a time before that's a proper thud coming from one of the different rooms, and she goes to investigate. Anyway, back to the point ghosts are always. Every movie that's got ghosts in it. They play the piano. There's always eerie piano playing in the background. Why is there never a dead guy who really fucking loved the trumpet? And just as you're walking through the house, you just hear... You could get creepy trumpet, though. You could get an old like jazz trumpet. Be yeah, they've not done it yet. So that could be an idea for our next I think film. It's, I think it's easy because the uh, piano sits and the keys are easy enough to move. Uh, whereas if you're playing a trumpet, you need to pick a trumpet up, press down the, the valves and also blow through through the, um, the mouthpiece so the ghost press, pressing the keys if you remember Patrick Swayze in Ghost how hard it was for him to learn how to kick a can uh, to pick up a trumpet and play it you're easy just learn how to press the keys that's all you need to do can ghosts ghosts don't really breathe out would they be able to they actually blow no, so a trumpet they blow, blow a trumpet they don't have lungs so that's, that's exactly that is why that is why they don't play the trumpet so mm. we've just learned that right fine ghost triangle player well maybe they do play the triangle because it's that, just you hear that noise the wee ting ting I've never heard any ghostly percussion well, you never know. I do know. It might happen. You've never heard it, but it might happen. I think that the sound production in this movie is outstanding, but I think it's just juxtaposed with the, the realisticness of the quiet time, which, if you enjoy this movie, then you love it, and you really look for the positives in that. But if you're just watching that, and you oh, this, oh, the DVD says it's the scariest horror movie like, ever, yeah. so I'm going to watch it, but then you're like, I'm bored with the middle of it. If you're not into the filmmaking process, and the, like looking into all the stuff behind it and enjoying the movie for what it is if you're just watching it as just a general person watching a movie you'd probably really be bored during the downtime because it is a great horror but between everything that happens this heavily realistic it's just slow from a movie point of view there's like it's make, it makes multiple viewings difficult I think there's nothing in it that makes you oh I watch that again I think if you went from Insidious like the Insidious Conjuring crew uh, if you watch that and to that is a horror film to you and you, you came to watch this yeah you'd definitely yeah. be bored of it the same as House of the Devil it's for it is as you say it's for folk that are into their cinema more than just a cinema on a Friday night yeah. and then that's it they'll uh-huh. rent whatever you've got to tell them to rent in the paper yeah uh, yeah I agree with you there it's not often that I agree with you right here is where another point with this movie is brilliant the ghost mm-hmm. that woman is scary as fuck and he doesn't overplay it because it doesn't show you the ghost and then later on show you the ghost for more times chasing after you or making noises. It's the same face every time and it's only ever just standing watching her. Some, I think one at the very end it maybe moves closer but it doesn't overdo it. She's on the poster though. Poster for what? The movie. Oh, she's not on that poster. No, but I see the one I put up for the episode. I was on that. Aye. Well, the face is there. The one I've got is the rotten hand coming for the bell. That's the DVD I've got, is that? But the actual... Well, it's just a post in America, I don't know, but uh, it's her face. Ah, see, that's, that's potentially overplay, but the... Um, but it overplay, but it gives it away. That's their biggest scare. Don't mm-hmm. put it on the poster. Yeah, and um, it gets later on, and they get another guest that comes to the hotel. 
he's like, I want to stay in room 321 or whatever. And then it's, we've already worked out that he's the husband of the woman who, the, the dead bride ghost, mm-hmm. the honeymoon suite. Because he says, oh, I want to go back to memories to stay in the honeymoon suite again. He says, well, there's nothing in that room. We've stripped it down. It's only the second floor that's got decent rooms in it. But we'll let you in it if you want. Mm-hmm. So it's fine. I only want to spend one night in it. It's quite very fucking obvious what he's planning to do. It's very fucking obvious who he is. But she's just happily lets him into this room anyway. So then she, she's shown about the hotel. And she goes into one room to pick up towels and thing and uh, sheets. And she and she moves away. And she's disappeared from behind her. I'm like, motherfucking old man ghost. Oh no, it isn't he? He's just rudely fucked off up the corridor. He's just like walked away from you. I was like, cheers, old fucking dickhead, man. Do you want to get a hotel and I get taken to my room? I don't want him to be lingering about and talking to me. That, that's when he gets to the room, he just shuts the door, man. Right, that's exactly what I'd do. I was like, he's totally got to top himself in that room. And it's, yes, you're, I was correct. Spoiler alert. Has there ever been a happy outcome for a character in a Ty West film? Um, House of the Devil? She's fucked. Innkeepers? They're fucked. The Sacrament? He's fucked. I don't know about the Western one, but John Travolta killed his own son. <laughs> fucked. So, the answer to that is no. Anyway, did you see the end when they, they've got the last jumps? Have you got anything to say before the last scene? I want to just go through a couple of the other realistic chats. There was a part when they're walking looking for something, and the guy's like, what was that? And she's like, I tripped, or vice versa. And they're just like, oh, and it's just a so realistic chat. It's almost like they maybe didn't mean to trip, and they're just like, they're just riffing off yeah. to go through, and it's kept in. Because sometimes you, you see, I like movies that do have a couple of bits of dialogue that isn't relevant to the story. It's just how people talk, you know? See, that bit, I didn't have it written down, is after the trope of the light going off and went uh-huh. the basement. And he goes, what was that? I thought she said a trope. And I went, that's quite subtle. And I ruined it. And I went... She's definitely saying trope. Maybe she did. Four times around it until I realised she was saying trip. Oh, and then maybe, I read, maybe I've is. just wasted like three <laughs> minutes of my life thinking I've found some wee inner joke and I've not. I've just fucking completely misheard what she said. So here's anyway. a trope that I don't like. It's been seen outside, it's been decent looking, you know, evenings and days uh-huh. all the time. And then when he dramatically storms out, it's pissing with rain, proper pouring with rain. Yeah, just sometimes just being normal again. No, sometimes sometimes the, weather, the weather doesn't change. It does the weather mirrors your feelings. No. When I'm sad, it rains. Perception versus reality and all that shit. Yeah. Nah. Like, and he sh- uh, he, so he's a shite bag and he runs away. And because then, he fancies her. He didn't actually care about the ghost. He just wanted to spend time oh, alone with her. Oh, he definitely wanted to, to go yeah. with her. And then he tries it when they're a bit drunk. And I don't know if he just looks a lot older than she is because he looks older than she we think she should be I think he looks older than he is and she looks younger than she she's, is she's just the kind of quiet shy nervous type so she that's looks why like she could be anywhere between 18 to 22 and he looks like he could be anywhere from 28 to 35 that's allowed alright sure. no I, I know that's fine I'm just hey, saying but no the whole ghost thing was just so he could get close to her but it's kind of like a point when, when, he, when he's doing this whole I really like you it's like you weren't sure if it was going to get to a section where she would say oh I don't like you that way because you don't think she does like I think she's way. just naive and com- like she doesn't really but she, she doesn't does, need to she point not out she back either yeah, she, but she doesn't, she doesn't need to respond to it because to her that's never occurred to her they're just friends yeah anyway the last scene you've got the, the scare up to the bedroom and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting and you know there's going to be like a carry hand coming out of the grave type scene at the end or oh, the very very last and scene and then the door slams Shite. just before that Apparently, according to IMDb, I didn't see it, but it says it's there. If you look in the curtains, then you see 
the ghost of Claire is looking at you. Like, she looks back at the door just as the door shuts. Which is meant to be like a wee subtle scare. I still haven't seen it, but to be honest, after I read that, I was only kind of trying to quickly watch it. So I maybe need to go back and see I if think it's there. we should uh, investigate this. Because I said the ending, while it's good, it's not filled with any answers or a good last minute scare because the door's shut and you know it's going to happen. Yeah. But I d- I'm watching the door, so I didn't see you in the back room. I see, I'd say that it was such a long wait for a slightly flat last jump. It was but, just like. Yeah, and did you see, like, it's? I think it's quite good, right? We've already kind of spoiled it there. She dies in the end. And I think that's good to kill the, the your, your kind of main character at the end. Like, I'm brave with filmmaking. But to show us that she's dead, some cop walks up to the gurney and just goes, wait a minute. Pulls the shit back to look at her. Okay, take her away. I'm like, but you just fucking nosy as fuck, you old To be honest, if I was a cop, that's exactly what I'd do. <laughs> Any body bag I'd see and just walk over and go, hold on. I don't know. Uh, what but would you give it out of 10? I think I fucking love this movie. I think this one's that's a stellar haunted house story and it's I think it's phenomenally done. I really think it's great. I really would advocate that you watch it if you can put a bit of wood it would be like that you know that friend that you think's an asshole that you need to explain to other people before they meet them aye but he's, he is really nice so you just need to you need to yes. get to know him the way I introduce you Scott <laughs> <laughs> the fucker I feel like that's what the movie is like because you need to explain the quiet parts in the middle and say you push through them because it is a good movie I will give it 8 bell rings out of 10 right I'm going to I'm going to switch with you I'm going to give it a uh, no fuck I'm going to give it a 6 because House of the Devil wow. was really strong and I liked it this fell a wee bit flat for me I actually preferred the sacrament. No, the sacrament. Yeah, the sacrament was good. I like the sacrament. So um, what what we're saying is that if you've never seen them, go watch all of them. If you have seen them, then just agree with what we're saying and mm-hmm. don't dispute it. Mm-hmm. And, and if you if it's uh, Mr. Ty West is listening, um, I do really like your movies and keep making them. Don't fight me. We need to attach too no, much. No, please, <laughs> please come and fight him. He's now just pussying out. No, I'm pussying out. I've got always pussying. Right. Well, let me set the scene. Last Saturday. We went to a mixed martial arts fighting event in the, the Hydro. Liam got his tickets and invited us along. And our, our VIP tickets. And, and our friend Sandy. And we went drinking from three o'clock in the afternoon. Watched hundreds of guys kick fuck out of each other. And then we thought it was great. All intents and <laughs> purposes, the plan was to get the last train home. We head back to the centre of town, jumped into our favourite rock bar and had a pint. Just as we were leaving to go to the train, we seen the last podcast and left boys coming well we actually seen Ben Kissel towering over about seven feet tall over everybody else coming in and he was coming in with Marcus and Henry and we fucking fanboyed and then became best friends with these guys <laughs> in our head in our head <laughs> uh, we totally Scott went there's Ben Kissel I said Scott fuck off <laughs> and there he was so we started talking to the guys, Marcus Parks, Ben Kissel, Henry Zabrowski. If you don't know what last podcast on the left is, it's a podcast much like ours, but they've been doing it a lot longer and a lot better. A lot better. <laughs> uh, they concentrate on serial killers. It's brilliant and hilarious. Well worth your time. I'd be very surprised if you're listening to this and you don't listen to the last podcast. So, Henry Zabrowski was also in Wolfie Wall Street, so as Scott said... He told me a story about how he went to Leonardo DiCaprio's house, used Leonardo DiCaprio's toilet, and came out and Leonardo DiCaprio's... Leonardo DiCaprio gave him sandwiches. Which is pretty fucking yeah, cool. That's like, that's like one degree of separation. <laughs> we essentially know Leonardo DiCaprio by proxy, so that should put us up to the fucking top of at least the Glasgow podcast right now. By proxy, we've pissed in Leonardo DiCaprio's toilet yeah. and ate his sandwiches. Yeah. They even washed my hands. Nope, so... Good. We were drinking with them, absolutely brilliant guys, 
like fucking talking for ages. I was just wanting to the story. I was talking to Henry Zabrowski, and he was telling me he was telling me about how uh, they've done the, the podcast for five years about how they'd, um, he'd been a, tried to be an actor for so long, and he's just starting to get there now. And he says, if one advice to give you is don't quit. He says, don't, don't, don't you think, you think about quit? Don't think about it. Just think, don't, think, don't, think, don't think about it. Don't quit. I was like, oh, that's some good advice. I'm going to take it from someone who hasn't quit. So last podcast broke Scott. Yeah, as oh, <laughs> you can tell. Me. Yeah, they broke me. Uh, all really good guys. Usually, the people we meet try to get away from us. They didn't. No, they, they didn't. They stay. Yeah. So we're going to take them to the cat house as you're doing a Saturday night in Glasgow. The queue was too big, and because me and Scott aren't really in the know, we couldn't skip the queue. Yeah, we 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 said we we in our heads these guys were famous, and we couldn't ask them to stand in a queue with fucking two hundred eighteen year olds for Glasgow to get into a mediocre rock nightclub. <laughs> Only saying mediocre because we still have to pay to get in. Yeah. If you want to be more mediocre, Cat House offers free entry. So, someone, so, someone in the group suggested we go to a titty bar, which is the American for strip house. <laughs> so we went to a strippers, which is quite uncomfortable at times when you're with a man who's seven foot tall, <laughs> and we drank and we had a good night. I kept getting told off for being on my phone. And I kind of wondered why did they think I was texting like the dads of the strippers. I'm so disappointed in your daughter. <laughs> like, why, 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 are you, why are you want to put a phone on me? In case you're taking photos. Mate, look at them. I do not want to take photos of <laughs> anyone. I don't, I don't want anybody to know I was even working here. Everybody who's listening. Uh, and I was working the next day at half past seven. And it was and I was trying, I'd, I'd stopped drinking for a long time before it because I'm responsible that way. But I was still out and I was losing sleep time. I was like, fuck, I really need to go. I said to him, I'm, right, that's me, I'm out, I'm heading home and I came out to the hallway and found uh, Henry Zabrowski already had his jacket and his hat back on looking lost as fuck, we'd been in there for about maybe 30 seconds, I genuinely barely even stayed in there, I says right okay, give me two seconds, I'm going to the toilet and I'll walk you out and then I walked Henry Zabrowski home like we're on a date <laughs> Did they give you a kiss? No, I shook my hand and told me he'd see me Monday, which he did Which is exactly like all your days you go on It's pretty much right <laughs> uh, So we, me, Sandy, Marcus and Ben stayed in the strippers and I think we went home shortly after you. Don't really remember. But Sandy said we walked him back to the hotel. Mm-hmm. And I mean, Sandy came back here where we drank. And I crawled to bed at six in the morning like an absolute mutant and didn't know where I was. <laughs> <laughs> so then on Monday, we actually went to see last podcast, brilliant live show. Again, thoroughly recommend it. The UK tour is over now, so you've missed out. You need to wait till next time. But we then met them again afterwards. They remembered us, which was nice. Mm-hmm. Got a quick chat, and then they left, never to be seen again. And we're hoping when they go back to America, put their next episode out, they will mention us because they loved us so much. However, the creepy guys that took their strippers. Well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those good guys couldn't get away from. <laughs> so, that's that story. That was fun, uh, fun, fun times. Real fun times. Yeah, best night of my life. Real fun times. I'll keep saying that even after I get married and have kids. <laughs> just always the best yeah, just, night of my life. It always is. Anything you watched this week? Um, I hardly watched anything, but I did read a wee story in the paper that I wanted to read to you, right? And this is a, just a base, it's a small, it's a side nope, story. No, don't have time no, for that. It's not, it is, it's a small <laughs> side story, okay? And basically, it goes like this. Local host Carol Smelly never bought a lottery ticket, right? Carol Smiley has revealed that she has never bought a lottery ticket, even though she hosted the, lot- the televised draw for years. The Scottish star fronted the national lottery draw from 1996 to 2000, earning £10,000 per show. And that's every week, so that's 52 shows a year. That's £520,000 a year. 
that's 96 to 2000, that's four years, that's two million pounds she earned just for being on the telly for 10 minutes on a Saturday night. But Carol 54 said, from meeting lottery winners, I've learned money can change people in a bad way. It changes people's attitudes toward you. Even family members would say, I don't get as much as they got. Winners move to new neighborhoods and don't fit in, and their old friends don't visit. Be careful what you wish for, I have never played the lottery. You just get paid fucking two million quid for hosting a show in 10, 10 minutes on a Saturday night? Ah, oh, I was like so annoyed that stupid shit piece Something just popped there, and I'm worried it was an aneurysm. <laughs> 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 fucking sh- probably will be fucking shite tabloid journalism right that's me done so Scott didn't watch anything I watched Green Room finally oh, amazing I watched amazing I loved it I don't care what you say I watched High Rise finally I've never seen High Rise High Rise is good it took me twice I uh, watched it twice just to really make sure I was getting it loved it Watched Ghostly Mars because me and Fish were talking and we're like, we need to do an episode on Ghostly Mars because Scott will fucking hate it. <laughs> so I went home and watched it again. Brilliant movie. Ghoulie. Ghoulies? Ghoulies. I've wrote Ghoulie. So Ghoulies, because it's on Netflix, so watch Ghoulies. Brilliant. Black Dynamite, which is outstanding and we're obviously... I started the first part of Black Dynamite. I came in, I thought it was good. That was actually the reason why I drank more liquor. Just that first intro when he's talking about Black Black Dynamite so good. Uh, I watched Super High Me. Have you seen that? No. On Netflix, a guy about like super size me. He goes thirty days. He's like a mad stoner, like apparently America's number two stoned comedian according to the High Times. So for thirty days, he doesn't smoke anything, and they do like tests on him and shit and see how he's feeling. Oh yeah, so the guy is like the super size me. That's exactly right. that. I did say that. Oh, did you? Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, you don't fucking pay attention. Saying <laughs> so thirty, in thirty days on weed and really good, interesting. And did 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 they link um? Weeds to toxic psychosis and paranoid schizophrenia because nope. that definitely happens. No, no, they didn't. Okay. Which is why I enjoyed it. <laughs> I watched Intruders. Have you seen that? Uh, no. It's like an that, adult Home Alone. Is that uh, James Cotton Bressack? Was something to do with that? Is that in the uh, front of the movie? It's like a house and underneath the movie is like the next yeah. window. I hear something to do with that. Was it? Producer or something? Yeah. yeah. Brilliant film. It's a good time. Really good. Really good. I uh, watched The Dorm on Netflix. Oh, that's shite. It's a TV movie. Yeah, it was pretty fish. But came up with this game Well. The guy was sitting in the classroom and he put his hand on her leg and they're like writing notes and he goes, he wrote like, are you chicken? And she's a nervous girl. So, oh, no. so she opened her legs and they're like drawing arrows like when he wants, like if she wants like, to move his, him to move his hand up or down inside. That happened to me once in English and the girl next to me, like we were sat at the front of the class and she was sitting right next to me. She was kind of into things like that and she had drawn him a notepad saying, don't scream. Because I was, I was a fucking pussy in school. <laughs> <laughs> like She's actually near me. I was like, I don't know, scream. She put a hand on me. I have never kicked <laughs> my leg as hard. I fucking need the desk. Kicked out. And she was like, is that okay? I was like, oh, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And would okay. just put your hand on your leg? She just put a hand on my leg. She hadn't even started the game and I'd gave it away because I had no idea what was going on. Whereas a normal guy would have went, Oh right, I'm into this. Nope, not me. Kick the fucking table away and get us caught. So that reminded me of that. I then also watched The Greasy Strangler, which I wanted to do a review on, and I'm not going to say anything because there is no words that come to my head to describe this movie. But when you watch it, I want to be there and I want to watch your reaction the whole time. Just that's it. Okay, I think that I would. I would. We'd, we should definitely do some kind of pod podcasting. We I can watch this and and we can record our reactions. Yeah, just I just want to record yours because I, I know that's a movie that you're not going to get <laughs> at all. I thoroughly enjoyed it, but 
It's fucking weird. It's mm. weird and wild. See, I've seen the trailers. I've seen trailer one, thought it looked good. Seen trailer two, thought, what the fuck is this shit? I'll wait till you see the movie. Right. So on Netflix right now, watch Ghost of Mars. Great B-movie. A lot of people think it's shit. It's John Carpenter. How can it be shit? Ghoulies. It's good. We Creatures. Fucking well worth a watch. Black Dynamite. Hilarious. If you're listening to this, go watch it now and then come back and listen to this. Uh, Super High Me. If you like cannabis. If you're interested in shit like that, it's good. And The Dorm. Probably avoid. Just waste of time. The main lassie's quite good looking. Like, I'm surprised she's not done more. But, yeah, it was, it was, I think it was an MTV TV movie, mm. which would explain everything about it. Yeah. So that was that. I just wanted to get that in there, because I've never watched that many movies in a week before, for a <laughs> long time. Because Lena's in Barcelona, I've had yeah, so, much, so time much time to sit in my pants and watch movies and wrestling. Yeah. It's incredible. I think you've just looked at all the movies that were on Netflix and just written them down, saying this is what I did watch, when in reality you just said porn up. The titty, tiny titty titty club or something. <laughs> the itty bitty titty council. <laughs> no, no, I was watching Buck Crumpets too. <laughs> Buck Crumpets then. Uh, so, this week, you might be happy to hear that we're bringing back the Creepy Corner. Hinterkaifet was a small farmstead remotely nestled in a forest around one kilometre away from the nearest main town of Kaifek situated between the Bavarian towns of Ingolstadt and Schatterbrausen. In simple terms, it was about an hour's drive north of Munich, a recluse's wet dream. Perhaps, but also, in the evening of March 31st, 1922, Hinterkaifeck was the scene of a brutal rampage that still remains unsolved today, occupying the farm with the Gruber family. Andres, 63, and his wife, Kazilla, 72, their middle-aged widowed daughter, Victoria, and their two grandchildren, Kazilla, aged 7, and Yosef, aged 2. The story has nothing to do with Hans Gruber of Die Hard fame, but let's all take a minute to reflect on what a great movie Die Hard is. Fucking love Die Hard. Mm. Die Hard's good. Yeah, the Gruber family were well off and fairly well known in the area, not really for reasons that you'd want to be known for, however, as Andreas was widely regarded as an unfriendly loner who beat his wife on a regular basis. Little Joseph Gruber was also rumoured to have been the product of an incestuous relationship between Andreas and his daughter Victoria, which makes sense as if you live in a remote farm in the woods, you've sometimes got to fuck your own daughter for warmth. Oh Victoria, I love the way you your blunt hair and the pigtails look so lovely, I love the way you milk the cow and just squeeze on the teats a little bit, just why don't you squeeze on my teats a little bit. Oh Papa, please, um... <laughs> Where is Andreas from? <laughs> fucking Elizabeth, where was that from? Russia? <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> they, they moved into the area, you see, they weren't... They weren't, oh, they, yeah, they, they weren't, weren't, they weren't from, from far away, of course. Yeah. Of course. Andreas was said to have been totally obsessed and infatuated with his widowed daughter and he had actively forbidden her to marry again and kept her under strict control. Basically what we're saying is here is that Andreas was a scumbag. Also being reported as severely abusive to his own children, Victoria being the only one still alive. I found a site online that described the family as sullen, reclusive, and that they mostly kept to themselves, except for Victoria, who had a beautiful singing voice and sang in the church choir. Does incest help vocal talents? Is that a thing? Does I think I think X Factor just got a lot more interesting. And sexy. And sexy. <laughs> Six months prior to the bizarre incident, the Grubers made abruptly quit a job and wished to leave the farmstead immediately. Personally, I'd have chalked that up to her no longer wanting to clean up after father daughter sexy time. But when asked why, the maid explained that she'd been hearing strange voices around the house and the sound of disembodied footsteps coming from the attic. What's a disembodied footstep? That's something. Thing. How do you know really if it's attached to a body? <laughs> just like really tapping. It's just like, <laughs> <laughs> it's the foot falling over. 
if you've watched as many horror movies as me and Scott have, you know that footsteps coming from the attic can never, ever be a good thing. The maid was convinced that the farm was haunted and, terror-stricken, she left. Andrea wrote it off as a woman being, quite simply, mentally disturbed, which is rich coming from a man who fucks his own daughter. She was sexy, though. Was she? <laughs> so according to this. <laughs> Six months later, in the middle of March 1922, Andreas was surveying his property after a snowstorm when he discovered odd footprints in the snow, originating from the thick surrounding forest and leading right up to the house. No footprints were found leading back from the house, Andreas, slightly perturbed, investigated the whole farm thoroughly inside and out and found no trace of an intruder or any other footprints. Later that night, Andreas woke to strange, inexplicable sounds coming from the attic. Upon investigation, he found nothing and returned back to bed. When he woke up the next day, he found a strange newspaper on the porch that nobody in the family claimed to recognise. I can't find any information on what made the newspaper so strange, but I suppose if I woke up and found a Hamilton advertiser outside my house that nobody claimed, I'd feel it was pretty strange as well. A few days later, on March 30th, 1922, a set of keys to the farmhouse mysteriously disappeared. While searching for them, Andreas discovered that the lock in his tool shed was covered in scratches, suggesting that someone had tried to pick the lock. The next day, a new maid, Maria Bumpgartner, arrived at the farmstead. Sadly, Maria's first day on the job would also be her last. On the 4th of April, people in the town grew concerned that nobody had seen any of the groupers for days, neither at church, which was exceptionally strange for Victoria because she was such an upstanding member of the choir, uh, or the post office to pick up their ever-growing collection of mail. The oldest granddaughter, Kazilla, had also been missing from school. A few of the townsfolk decided to head out to the farm to check up on the family, probably in fear that Andreas had went a little too far while beating slash sexing up his family. When they arrived, their calls went unanswered and they felt that the atmosphere around the farmstead was eerily quiet. Concern grew rapidly between the search party members and they decided to search the barn for any clues to the whereabouts of the entire Gruber family. Inside, they were met with a pool of blood surrounding the carefully stacked, one on top of the other, bodies of Andreas, his wife, Victoria and seven-year-old Kazila, all of which were covered in hay. If it was me, that's probably the point where I'd have gotten out of there. But the search party continued to frantically search for the remaining family members. Two-year-old, possible incest baby Joseph was found dead in his cot and the new maid Maria was found dead in her bedroom, both having bled profusely and surrounded by pools of coagulated blood. All five members of the Gruber family and their new maid had been killed horrifically in cold blood. The townspeople immediately called the police and within hours investigators from the Munich Police Department had arrived at the farmstead. Preliminary autopsies showed that all six of the victims had been killed with violent blows to the head using a pickaxe. Victoria's body also showed signs of strangulation, but it was inevitably the headshot that killed her. It was reported that all of the blows to the head of each victim had been precise and confidently delivered, with only a single decisive blow needed for each victim. No marks were found in the rest of the body. Little Cazilla was the only victim who hadn't died immediately following the blow to the head as her body showed evidence of being alive for several hours afterwards with tufts of her hair having been torn from her head for unknown reasons. Most of the victims were in their bedclothes which would be unfortunate for me because that's like my pair of Coors Light boxes where you had nothing to fear but lack of beer on the bum. <laughs> <laughs> I sleep topless with a pair of Adventure Time pyjamas from Asda. <laughs> so neither is one to be found dead by the police. <laughs> This would uh, lead investigators to believe that the killings had happened late on in the evening. After thorough investigation, detectives believed that someone had lured each of the family members out to the barn one by one and dispatched them with a pickaxe, after which they then entered the farmhouse and killed Joseph and the maid as they lay in their respective beds, or as this family goes, probably the same bed. They also noted that each body had been covered somehow. 
The bodies in the barn were all covered in hay, the maid was covered in bedsheets, and young Joseph was covered up with one of Victoria's skirts. The Gruber family dog was found in another barn, having been patiently tied up, but otherwise totally unharmed. Thank God. Sounds pretty scary and weird, right? It gets worse. The dates of the deaths were determined to be March 31st, the day Maria had came to the farm to work for the Gruber family. Eyewitnesses near the farm, however, thought this to be very bizarre, as they'd seen smoke coming from the farmhouse over the entire weekend, leading them to believe that someone had been at home. To add even more mystery to the situation, evidence had been found that suggested someone had only recently been eating meals there and sleeping in the beds, not too long before the bodies were actually found, and all the livestock and cattle in the farm were well fed, despite the fact that everyone who was usually responsible for that type of work had been dead for knock on a week. Investigators were totally baffled as to why someone would murder the family so violently and then stick around unfazed for a few days, cooking dinner and feeding the animals rather than fleeing off into the night. Could you do that? Right, just get on Wipe out a family and then just live in their house for a bit? Depends with who the family were. If their fridge was full. Oh, definitely. I mean, you don't want to... I mean, it's like a waste almost, isn't it? Like, if you, the food goes out yeah. eating that. The smoke's got the chimney, so putting the fire on kind of costs you a bit. Maybe it makes sense. It was presumed at first that the motive behind the murders must have been robbery, but as very little money or valuables were actually taken, this motive just didn't add up. It was found that Victoria had emptied her bank account a few weeks previous to her being pickaxed to the head and had made a 700 gold mark, which I think at that time in Germany must be quite substantial, a donation to a church for what she had described as missionary work. The rest of her money was unaccounted for after the murder. Police, still frantically searching for a motive, began to suspect that it may have been a crime of passion. A man named Lawrence Schlittenbauer became a number one suspect. He was a former suitor of Victoria's and she had always claimed that Joseph was the product of their relationship rather than the incestuous son of her and her dad. Police suggested that the well-fueled rumour of the incestuous relationship may have triggered a jealous rage in Lawrence and caused him to wipe out the entire family. Schlittenbauer, it just so happened, was also one of the first members of the original search party that discovered the bodies. It was reported that he showed little reaction to the discovery and started moving the bodies before police had arrived. When asked why he was disturbing them, he claimed that he needed to find his boy, who was obviously still waiting to be found in the bedroom. All of these points, coupled with the fact that he would have been very familiar with the layout of the farm, raised a whole lot of eyebrows. Schlittenbauer was questioned extensively by the police, but as they found no concrete evidence linking him to the murders, he was never arrested, although it seems like Lawrence is a shoe-in for the murderer. There are too many unexplained parts of the case. Why would someone stay at the farm for days after the murder, living it up like a farm pimp? Surely the footprints in the snow and the noises in the attic belong to the killer. The hauntings occurred a good six months before the killing, so that would mean the culprit would have had to be hiding in the farm for at least six months undetected. The bodies of the six victims were eventually buried in a graveyard in Whitehofen uh, without their heads since those had been sent to Munich for analysis and had never been returned. The skulls are thought to have been lost sometime during the chaos of World War II and no one's really sure what happened to them, which is a mystery in and of itself. The investigation of the Hinterkaifeck murders would ultimately go on for years, with over a hundred suspects questioned, without police getting any closer to solving the mystery. The case has become one of Germany's most enduring unsolved mysteries. To this day, not a single suspect has ever been apprehended for the crimes. Police got so desperate that at one point they even hired clairvoyants to handle the skulls of the murder victims to no avail. Many theories from the rational to the fringe have been put forward to try and get a grip on the mystery. One idea was that Victoria's ex-husband, Carl Gabriel, carried out the murders. 
Although Gabriel had supposedly been killed in the trenches of World War I, his body had never actually been found and had never received a proper burial, so it was speculated that he may come back for his wife. Upon hearing of Victoria's incestuous relationship with her father and of the involvement with Schlittenbauer, he could have snapped and murdered them all in a crime of passion. This theory was fueled by the reports of two people who came forward claiming to have met a Russian soldier after World War II who claimed to be the Hinton Kaifek killer. It has been speculated that he originally faked his death to be free of his wife, but had changed his mind and come back only to be less than pleased with what awaited him at home. Others have pointed to the seemingly paranormal elements of the case, such as the ghosts reported by the original maid in the farm, as well as the strange noises heard by Gruber himself, the mysterious newspaper and the inexplicable footprints in the snow. In light of these details, there are those who think the culprit was no man at all, but rather some kind of vengeful supernatural force that had set his sights on the family. Or a yeti. I'm definitely going to say it was a yeti. The puzzling case poses so many questions and unexplained mysteries, and to this day it is no closer to being solved than it was back in 1922. For its part, the Munich Police Department have, on occasion, reopened the case. It did so in both 1996 and again in 2007, but on both occasions they ran into nothing but dead ends. The police have said that it is likely the case will never be solved. Since so many years have passed, the evidence is scarce or has been lost over the years. Witnesses and suspects have died, and because the investigative techniques of those days were fairly primitive, this results in incomplete records and evidence. In Germany, the case of the Hinterkaifeck murders has become legendary and is the subject of several books and movies. The farm itself is long gone, having been demolished in 1923 by villagers unhappy with having such a monument to death and horror still standing in the vicinity, which is rich coming from Germans. <laughs> yup. <laughs> <laughs> All that stands there now is a monument and probably six headless ghosts roaming around wondering what the hell happened. Where the Hinterkaifecks, um, were the Gruber's Jews? I don't think so, they were oh. just German. Oh, yeah. Well, Bavarian. So what do you think happened? Who else was Bavarian? Hitler. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> what did I think happened? A yeti. Oh. Anytime, I think an actual... An actual uh, no, no. Anytime, anytime, that is an actual explanation. Oh. Anytime it comes to snow and dead bodies and mystery, I just think yeti. So why did the yeti pile them up on top of each other? For warmth. Mm. You put a body, hey, a body, hey, everyone knows that's how you build a bed. Of course. So the body heat from... The escaping body heat from one will get it the hay and warm that hay, which will then warm that body, which will warm that hay, and then you lie on top of it. Right. Good to know. I'll keep that in mind for next time I want to slaughter families in a band of farmers. Cool. We well, do, do have a house with uh, doors and walls that I could have just slept in their bed as normal, but yeah. Yeah, we did that as well. Maybe sometimes it's just nicer to sleep on people with the hay. Yeah. So, what do you think happened? I have absolutely no fucking idea. The maid went crazy, killed everybody, then killed herself. It wasn't head. a pickaxe, but it was a pickaxe. It was one of those like stone, like see the ones you see like outside old farmhouses. Yeah. Where like the head of the axe is like made of stone. Ah. Oh. <laughs> Am I making this up? Yes, you're making it up. Right, well <laughs> I think it was one of them. It's got another name for it, but I don't know what it is. The um I think the story of the boy faking his death in World War One coming back and um killing them is the truth thing. That's what happened. Gabriel killed it. Gabriel done it. But why have they not found him? Because I, I thought it'd be the other guy. The guy who had every reason to kill them all. Because his son was actually an incestuous that's bastard. What, that's, that's the guy I'm talking about. Gabriel, the guy who... No, it wasn't Gabriel. Oh, that was... Boom... 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 Aye. Aye. That was Schlittenbauer. Schlittenbauer, aye. Schlittenbauer done it. 
Yeah. That's what I think. Yeah, but then how could they question him like a hundred times and not have any evidence? Nobody's that fucking. No, because no, because they didn't know who Schlittenberg was. Because the guy who the guy who's supposed to have died in World War One in the trenches. No, that's the Gabriel. Aye, he done it. You're now saying everyone's done it. No, Gabriel done it. The guy who's supposed to die in World War One done it. He came back for the dead. Right, Schlittenberg is meant to be the daddy Joseph. He's not the guy who came I, back. He could one. have also done it as well. Maybe they worked in cahoots. They worked in cahoots. Uh, Schlittenberg got um the dead guy to got Gabriel to do it, but he didn't want Gabriel to kill the wee boy, but he. People just done it anyway for for shits and giggles, because he had because what he just, did because he was he was there, because, no because no because Schlittenberg had had a, a, a solution to to get the family out of the way and get his son back, but um, Gabriel decided to have a final solution and get them all dead. Who else had a final solution? Hitler. Hitler. <laughs> Fucking knows wacky Germans. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that was the Hinterkaifeck murders. I'd never heard it. No. When I sent my link and I thought it's pretty interesting. I've got, a, I've got a doozy for next week. Have you? Yeah. Don't tell me. I'm going to have to watch, there's a fucking shit ton of YouTube videos I'm going to sit through and it's all fucking... You're going to watch it fucking four times the speed anyway. It's, <laughs> it's all fucking back black rooms with green writing and fucking glittery MySpace graphics so I'm going to be, I, I'm going to be fucking spaced out when we come to record next time but... My brother, just before we started this, as I crossed the road, my brother was like that because he'd obviously seen this kind of, the notes sitting there. And goes, oh, do you know they now think uh, 9-11 was a conspiracy? I think James has thought that for the, fucking, <laughs> for the first plane hit the building. And I seen that like, there was explosions and uh, <laughs> explosions. Like, James, honestly. That's I mean, there's like millions of websites. That's, like, that's, like that's like the bottom line of the conspiracy of 9-11. 9-11 was a hologram. I was like, the so a fucking hologram. I mean, Joy F. Kennedy and Elvis are still alive. I looked at my dad and I went, but if you watch the video, Joy F. Kennedy's head exploded. And my dad just went... The kitchen. <laughs> but do you know that? Do you know that it, it, we're all a hologram, and then if you can realise that we're holograms, you can rise above the levels of human emotion, and see when you can see all those emotions, and they all merge together, and that's when you get Buddha, and that is the meaning of life. Nothing you just said made sense. Aye, but if you think about it, it makes perfect sense. If you if you think about it too much, then you won't realise it. But if you don't think about it, then it just makes absolute. No, because you're Buddhist. You also think we're living on a flat earth. Yeah, but that's just that's just a word. That's just a word. That's just, that's just a word transcended above the realms of human emotion if you just think of the whole universe as a one as a one uh, flat object that's got round objects in it then it's like a two, two dimensional two dimensional universe with three dimensional objects inside it right, so don't think about it too much just think about what I'm saying to you, and that is what so if is. you enjoyed this episode get in touch with us at the usual spaces spaces <laughs> <laughs> see it's getting us in your head space ah uh, if you enjoyed this episode Obviously not now. Then get in touch with us at the usual places, not spaces, uh, which if Scott's finished, he'll give you now. You can get us on Facebook. Just search Scott and Liam versus Evil and you'll get our page and our group. Join both of them because different stuff happens in them. They're both hilariously funny. Get on it. You can get us uh, on Twitter at Scott and Liam versus. We've got a WordPress, so if you're on both of them, you'll get links to our written reviews. You can also email us and tell us exactly what you think of us. Scott and Liam versus Evil at hotmail.com. Also, we've now got a review on iTunes, so thanks for that. The rest of you, go on and do yeah. something about Rate it. five stars, write a wee bit about us, submit it, and then fucking let's get this shit up and running. If you're also thinking, I don't know how I feel about these guys, go on iTunes, click the wee flag, change it to American, and we've actually already got two reviews up there. But Apple tries to segregate us in... Only let's Americans read that. Unless you change that, so do it. 
see the five stars, see that we're actually not so too the bad. Fucking government's trying to keep stuff away from you, try to keep you just fucking drinking the Pepsi and fucking eating the cheeseburgers, and they don't want you to see the real fucking world. And we'll see you guys next week. Cheers. <laughs>